0: Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to another episode of Beyond Bitcoin. My name is Derek Graham, and of course, with me today is my friend and colleague, Nitin Gower. G'day, Nitin.
1: Hey, Derek, back from Bitcoin Conference. So this should be only about Bitcoin this
0: time, not beyond Bitcoin. Isn't it great? So we're running a show (laughs) called Beyond Bitcoin. And now we're doing a Bitcoin exclusive event. But why not? Because what we're trying to do at the moment is be very much contemporaneous with the news and activities. And this has just happened. So BTC in Miami, it's great. It's quite a litmus test, in fact, of what's happening in the world, not just technology wise, user wise, but also, um, you know, enthusiasm and engagement wise. And that is that you know it's this is the 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 conference you know represented all sorts of things around the forms of activation um, attendee experiences and you know builders politicians business leaders some of the most influential people in this space were there at um, BTC Miami Um, and it's intriguing to see that that this was considered to be the world's largest Bitcoin gathering and last year Um, which was the second year, this is the third year of BTC Miami, 35,000 people attended it. This year, 15,000 people attended it. And and it's intriguing to see that not just that 15,000 people attending it, but probably now it's getting down to the core. You know, the core groups, institutions, organizations that are actively involved with this space. And cryptocurrency conferences tend to occupy sort of an outsized role, let's say, Um, of the digital assets industry because many of these employees in the digital assets industry work remotely. So gatherings like this are really important for them to bring together and interact with real life experiences. So there's a lot of crypto conferences and this Bitcoin conference is quite intriguing, not just because of some of the technology, not just because Bitcoin is leading, but looking at some of the speakers that were prepared to turn up and support Bitcoin. So let's have a roam through the conference. What was it like, Nitin? What was the experience like? What was the vibe like? Who do you think was there? Um, and then who were the big speakers that came on the day?
1: No, no, absolutely. And I think, first thing, uh, Derek, I'd like to thank the Bitcoin magazine for the invitation and passes that I got. It's not just me, but some of my cohorts in the industry. And I think. It is what you expect from Bitcoin conference to be. It's opinionated. Everybody has mm-hmm. a perspective because they're all Bitcoin maxis. It's controversial because there's a lot of conversation that are happening that is not what happen in what they would call as normies world, which is normal people's world apparently. <laughs> and purists <laughs> discussing problems with flavor of ideologies and some very smart people coming together to discuss societal, economic and technical mm-hmm. problems, sort of make this world a fair and a better place. So I think it is you know it was a little bit subdued like consensus was and that's indicative of not just the the crypto economy uh, that actually is still figuring out its its place but also overall economic conditions in terms of you know um so people are a bit cautious in terms of travel expenses and budgets so that's understandable uh but I think it was great and and the energy as in many bitcoin conferences was uh we believe that This was the coalition of the willing that everybody who was there truly believed in the costs and who were looking into it. There were four sections uh, as the, as the, the, they had four stages uh, with parallel session. One was the main stage called Nakamoto stage. And then you had the stage for the enterprise, which is institutional investors figuring out as to what to do with this new asset class, which I thought was super interesting because I have Mm. one leg in crypto, one leg in, one leg in uh, banking, institutional space and banking. Mm. And then you had open source which is all about technology innovation and some some really deep insights into where what the Bitcoin core developers are looking at and solving some of the core issues. Mm. And then you have, of course, the mining stages, the production area, both yes. in the concept of energy and everything else. So those are the sort of four uh, stages. I classified the entire conference because I was, I picked a few sessions because it's impossible to do all of them uh, in, you know, in at the same time. So I picked a few things, but to me at four broad thematic sense. So one is what I call the normie world, which is for common people who may not be entrenched in Bitcoin element is regulation, politics, economics, you know, economic implication, fiat, USDC, currency debasement. These are all like normal topics of of you know of the of you know of the current times. The second classification I'd see Bitcoin revolution, which is a project that aim to change what we discuss a lot on this on this podcast, Eric, is composable finance payments. Uh, store of value, you know, value making movement uh, of these, you know, uh, easy and affordable around the globe and truly creating this global ecosystem that we've always compared the blockchain ecosystem to give them a nation state status that they are truly global in nature. Uh, Of course, I look into the production equation, which is mining and hardware. Uh, mining because of the the Dame, which is again, the the attack on the industry from taxing energy and in in the u s, of course, and the ban in China. and where where would the industry go? and what is the debate around it? Is it really fair? So that has been, and I will say this, Derek. i I'll, I'll discuss this in detail. Some amazing innovation that I've seen, especially mm. in the hardware and 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 you know in the mining space, which is to, you know, envisioning, a trailer park of mining where you can just have portable mining stations. You can move wherever energy moves. I thought it was brilliant. And then you have the Bitcoin technical it. innovation and debate, and- which is from privacy to scalability and all the controversy that surround the ordinals that led to the fee upswings and new way to ensure better key management. These are all, to me, these are the four broad categories of the of the entire conference. So I'll pause here,
0: uh, get your thoughts. So knowing that Bitcoin has always been touted as um, you know providing people with genuine independence, independence primarily from putting their assets into institutional environments held by other organizations. Um, but it's also wrapped around this you know the concept of investment, the concept of being able to store value, store wealth. And you talked about institutional investors being there. Tell me what are the institutions looking at, especially during this, this fairly much lackluster period. Um, of cryptocurrencies, what are the institutional drivers, and 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 what are their attitudes? Do you think?
1: Yeah, so institutional, which is the enterprise stage. So enterprise stage is all about business models. How do you make money from this space? Of course, there were regulatory concerns. Is there where is the regulatory clarity? Where do we move the money? Uh, but there was also interesting conversation on custody. I don't know if you heard uh, the statement that we had from Ledger, which is meant to be cold wallets. Yes. In terms of their ability to create this new product that allows the keys to be maintained by three different entities that create a massive uproar. Mm-hmm. And the custody itself, custody is essentially not your keys, not your, not your to- coin mantra that the industry has stuck to, which leads to self-custody, which is thematically a huge component of Bitcoin ethos, is that I don't want the government to be able to take my money and what's mine. And we've seen Cases after cases from Cyprus to 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 various sort of Zimbabwe mm. to so you have all these economies that are still dealing with um, with ensuring the government whether it's an inflation or an inflation tax or whether it's simply as government inability to you know to uh, have the banking system have enough not having enough liquidity for bank system to to return what's owed to you there were all these so self custody is central and I would say Derek that half the conversations were around that. That institutions have to understand that it's not something like, and which is funny because I do work for a large financial institution, we are primary business is custody. And I came with a lot of lessons learned, a lot of questions in terms of viability of digital asset custody, because especially in the course of Bitcoin, which is still the dominant asset class, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the industry and that defines the industry. So there's a lot of debate. On that front, there's also conversations in terms of regulation that came about, which is the RIA is requiring qualified custodians and what can industry do to circumvent that that challenge. Um, So super interesting conversation. And also, um, you know, that we had the institutional investors looking at business models. So things like Lightning Networks, these are newer emerging networks trying to scale down what is the investment appetite of various investors. There was a lot of conversation from a lot of VC firms who came and broke down as to what is the investment equation in investing into a Bitcoin-only projects. So these are focused on purely focusing on Lightning networks, or fo- focusing on Layer 2, or focusing on decentralized exchanges, or focusing on many of these projects that are which are common in Ethereum ecosystem, but are slowly making shape or coming to to the innovation that Bitcoin brings. Only because Bitcoin is resilient, it's been the longest running chain, and it actually has a massive quantum of of you know of assets so that's the debate that we're having in the enterprise institutional space
0: and did was there a general discussion around the separation of bitcoin and just the rest of the of the digital asset community because it's extraordinary <laughs> that they refer to the entire world outside bitcoin as altcoins, alternative coins alternative to bitcoin um so was there a sort of a a crystallization that Bitcoin sits here and this is why it's here. And then there's the rest of the industry out there. Yeah. Derek, uh,
1: Bitcoin conference has always been about maximalist uh, attitudes. Of course, that was always the conflict. Hey, Bitcoin is different, Bitcoin is unique. And let's not, so this whole ossification, which is let's not touch it, it's doing well. Mm. Debate was rampant throughout the whole space to say, we need to make it easier. We need to, and there's a lot of amazing technical innovation that are in the pipeline. But the debate was, should we should we continue innovating this space? Because there was another concern that a lot of core developers, essentially people who maintain this sort of massive infrastructure, there were a handful of these guys. And suddenly now you need their blessing to do change a few things, which yes. removes a lot of decentralization elements. So there was a debate between that dependency and ossification, which is, uh, can do we need to do anything else? Or is Bitcoin fine the way it is? Uh, of course, as, as a te- technologist, I would say, hell no. There's always chances of improvement. There's always mm. things that we need to do to make this better, um, especially uh, around technical innovation. I'll speak about that in a minute. But but to me, that was definitely the, the the debate to say, what can we do to maintain the dominance? Which to me is akin to what US is thinking. How do we maintain the US dollar hegemony? And that's why I think Bitcoin community is saying, how can we maintain our hegemony? And I think that between Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's a healthy competition that they're trying to change the world with technology and provide different value propositions. So I'm not a maxi. I'm mm. a I believe in Bitcoin. I'm not a maxi though. I'm not a maximalist. I do want to be able to uh, to measure these things in uh, the technical merits and the services they have to offer, I think.
0: Absolutely. And and one of the things that's quite clear is that you know, if you just look at the two of them, between Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's an amusing argument to work out capitalization ratios how big is bitcoin versus ethereum but in in the reality is it doesn't matter they're two extraordinarily different things one's a store of wealth one's a massive platform for building a community of 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 smart driven applications and so i don't see any debate frankly um i just see bitcoin as as showing its position as a store of wealth a simple pure Early prototype that's evolved a great deal since its creation and has an enormous community of north of 100 million that have invested in it. So I always see that it's going to have a position for a long period of time driven by its community. But you know, its community says that Bitcoin is pure, and then there's ordinals. What's happening with that? And what were their opinions?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that debate was just hilarious, Derek. So, two things in this, right? One is there were actually uh, uh, literally. Uh, spats on the main stage, on people just arguing between themselves, saying, hey, do we need to have ordinals? Do we need to have DEXs? And they start then, you know, showing down Ethereum ecosystem, uh, which I don't think was fair because they're all different. Tech- they all, all offer different value propositions. And, and your assertion of Bitcoin being sort of value was also challenged to say we should get into payments because that increases utility. And in that theme, ordinals increase utility. And there was a whole this question, are we really doing justice by storing this worthless JPEGs which represent nothing in this case. And those are like really open conversation, which we all don't talk in open. We talk in in these forums. There's a really open conversation. There are people are saying that, you know, this whole element of censorship resistance is, hey, hey, no one dictates. It's truly an open protocol, which means I should have the freedom to do what I want to do. And people are saying you have the freedom, but the freedom comes with responsibility. Do you really want to utilize that, this, this amazing framework that we have built and the community behind it, for storing JPEGs? Is it really the way to do these things? Uh, and and the question was, you know, what is the real value of inscription? Is it really mature enough? Because there's, you know, post-inscription, there are a bunch of projects like Diba, for example, which is like a decentralized exchange, uh, you know, for NFTs that have popped up. A lot of like, there was, I think it was Uni, I forget the other project, which is, so all these like Ethereum-like projects with similar names are beginning to pop up. And we discussed this last time, they were close to like 14,000 plus different ordinals that popped up. And a funny thing, Derek, which which you have to take this, Pepe, our favorite token, yes, yes, which yes. is a meme token. And we had a whole session on that. Pepe had a massive presence outside of Bitcoin conference, claiming Pepe to be the next Bitcoin. They had choppers flying with Pepe as the next Bitcoin. And, oh, no. and that to me is just one, I was found that hilarious that you had this ugly frog-shaped meme, and they had the trucks and they had all these things. And And I'm just thinking like, man, this is not helping the industry in any way, because if anybody knows anything about these things, they are not on their own. They are relying upon Bitcoin. They're relying on Ether, depending on where you look at it. So those those things were, the ordinary debate was very, very, very very, uh, active debate. And uh, to me, it was good. Uh, Debates are great because we need to be able to get those perspectives in uh, from that point of view. But more importantly, Derek the technical debate around Bitcoin was Bitcoin custody isn't normie-friendly. It's not for normal people. Mm. So it's notoriously hazardous, right? People lose their keys, misspell their seed phrases. They input their seed phrases into internet-connected devices, which get stolen. They store their seed phrases on notes, cloud servers, screenshots. I've done that. I'm sure a lot of people are doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it had led to a lot of ideas. So the industry is saying, what can we do? In, In fact, not just the Bitcoin, but all the exchanges, the Coinbase and Kraken, they actually have reached out to Bitcoin core developers say, hey, you've got to make it easy for us. Otherwise, this is creating a lot of problems for us, which to me is an industry-driven effort that you have centralized exchanges asking Bitcoin people to coin. So they came up with something called Op OpWalt, uh, which I'm going to do a bit more research on, which was an amazing thing to reduce the risk of Bitcoin theft, to avoid the pitfalls of a general covenant proposal while still enabling the behavior necessary for this sort of feature full vault implementation to say, I can move the Bitcoin, but I need to be able to create compartments. And even if I lose some money, it won't be the whole thing. Uh, and and then they came up with also one thing interesting, Derek, was they all hate the, the, the blockchain and analytic firms like Chain Analysis. They say that they're doing the disservice. They see privacy as basic human rights and criticize the effort of the analytic firms. They call them out all over the Map, and they are now saying the only way we can combat this. This is Bitcoin core development teams to say they misrepresent the industry, and we are going to actually uh, change the technical elements. And they have something called collaborative Bitcoin transactions that is supposed to make these models obsolete. So if they would want, and there's nothing to do with the uh, the debate we've had on this podcast too on the role of the tornadoes and wash, you know, the uh, the tornado-like sort of mixers. It's yes. about saying that can I can I obfuscate those models? So the idea there is, they're not going to change a lot because you can't. But let's have this new structure which gives people a chance to be able to uh, take those transaction outputs and put them back in the token uh, the wallets that they can create for you know for themselves, and that way you completely obfuscate the models that these firms rely upon, uh, which you know with the premise that privacy does not mean criminal intent. And they hmm. all just, they were all this conversation of a lot of developers who were imprisoned in in, in the US and in Netherlands, as you know, to free them because it's like they're developers and they have not done anything wrong. So they should not be in prison. Uh, you know, going back to back in the day, the PGP debate on code is sp- free speech. Uh, that was back.
0: Of course, mm-hmm. you would expect
1: that at a Bitcoin conference, but that was, that was great to me that that whole debate was great.
0: So mankind has always fought... The development of technology and developed technology and of course one of the more famous ones is in the united kingdom um, at the turn of the century when people bought automobiles and that men with red flags were legislated had to walk in front of the automobiles with red flags to say (laughs) they were coming you know this is the absurd level that new technology occurs and these poor people sitting in jail are part of that absurd level with a new technology company the, the current institution and, sadly, in America, the current political structure is quite threatened by this space. Um, and you had speakers there that represented both um, the Republican and the Democrat parties that were discussing Bitcoin, mining, the, the future of it. They had a different view than the current discussions that are occurring.
1: Yeah, they did, and I'll tell you. I, of course, you had the normal, I would say, the the regulars now, because Cynthia Lummis, who is proposed a re- regulation with you know Senator you know Gillibrand, which is the Lummis Gillibrand Responsible Financial Innovation Act, which is all about creating the market infrastructure uh, for, for you know for crypto. Uh, so she talked about again a lot of things that again she's from Wyoming. She touted the forward-looking state, and that's true. Wyoming has passed mm. a very forward-looking regulation, but that's a state-level regulation and She also debated the fact that a lot of things that the federal government is doing is against the ethos of the state and the federal balance that has been maintained that states are usually laboratories for experimentation. Eventually that has been the longest sort of thinking in in, in the US system. And she has expressed that a lot of things they're doing today is simple attack on the local banking system, uh, which has led to a lot of local banks being sort of having the bank run and bigger becoming much more bigger and truly achieving the true big two fail status. So she did talk about that stuff. Uh, we had Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who was also a presidential candidate, I think, that last year, who which I agree in some cases, the arguments they've made that US C B D C threatens the freedom, that if you have programmability, traceability, uh, then how CBDC threatens the freedom at Bitcoin event, uh, is which makes sense. That so mm-hmm. there's a lot of actually rhetoric, even from Robert Kennedy, uh, who made a campaign debut uh and for the first democratic sort of campaign to accept Bitcoin as as a uh, campaign donation instrument for as you know, for payments. And his message was free money is important as free expression. And he actually brought a lot of things that happened, which I agreed with a lot of things that these politicians, I'm, I don't know if they were, of course, they're politicians, so you got to take them with a grain of salt, that they're saying this to to appease people and they want donations, which is what happened after every after every conversation, there was a QR code like donate to our campaign. That popped. <laughs> it was religious. It was all very okay. And I was thinking towards the end, like, okay, the next politician, which was Vivek, after his speech, I'm like, when is this QR going to pop up? And it did. But um, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. made a, made his first public appearance as a presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. He outlined his vision mm-hmm. for supporting Bitcoin and freedom in the U.S., which is you know more towards debasement. But he also talked about the fact that our Constitution is decentralized and con, which is true. Uh, in principle, and also it basically the the fact that whatever happened during pandemic, whatever happened during Canada, should not happen uh, in in a free society, and that was something which I think was 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 very well received, mm. completely jam packed. I think everybody in in the entire session left all the four stages were there during, uh, during the time. You also had a Republican candidate uh, Vivek mm-hmm. uh betting big on digital currencies. Of course, he said all the right things the audience wants to hear. He talked, but his Take was a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. His message was that the USD needs to be dominant currency. Of course, he's running for the US president, so it, it goes with the territory. And BTC will provide the stop gap as a superior currency, offering competing landscape as a variable alternative, which sort of implied that both be dominated by the US. He said US needs to dominate this industry, both in terms of mining, having regulation, uh, promoting innovation, uh, and that way, you are providing. We don't. We don't have a competing superpower, you know, in, like we had in Russia back in the day, and that has made the U.S. complacent. So now, by having Bitcoin, it gives them a competing monetary system that keeps them on their toes and ensures that they have enough potential, sort of, uh, you know, uh, treatment of currency in terms of fiscal monetary policy. I think that was a super interesting conversation. Uh, that he had, and um, so to me, these were, and more importantly, I, I really love the perspective of Zoltan Pozar, who, as you know, was one of the chief economists of Credit Suisse, he just left Credit Suisse. He, if you recall, published about six months back, um, the Bretton Woods 3.0 debate on commodity is collateral, and he anticipated a lot of things that are happening to save US dollar because of geopolitical issues and contention between US and some part of the BRICS nation, then suddenly now smart money will go where there's cheaper commodities because energy is super important for, for many countries to be able to grow and, and flourish their economies. So he he did write a lot in terms of Bretton Woods. So he actually shared his perspective as an economist. Mm. And he did talk about debasement. He talked about the fact that, you know, some of these, and he his perspective on Bitcoin was towards more towards commodities. But uh, he was the only economist. The rest were, uh, of course, politicians.
0: Mm. So... Two things that I think are important for um, the uptake of Bitcoin and all of those no doubt would have been discussing that. And the first one is relating to the normies being able to use it, the usability aspect, which is going to be sort of wrapped around, um, you know, the, the new strike expansion around the world to 65 new locations so that you can go to a virtual auto teller buy Bitcoin at 65 different additional countries around the world, which is extraordinary. So there's a real expansion there. And the other one is the technology associated with the mining, the efficiencies, et cetera. So let's talk about those couple of things because then we've covered it. We've covered store of wealth, we've covered usability, sure. and we've covered you know the the ongoing efficiencies of how Bitcoin is getting mined. Um, so so the normie aspect, that that usability aspect, Um, Maybe we're seeing, Nitin, that this burst of NFTs in the form of ordinals is actually pushing Bitcoin and the community to work out how to do transactions faster, cheaper, and in a simpler form. Maybe that's going to be forcing that community to do that.
1: Yeah, I I mean, if you look at Strike, right, um, expands the global reach, 65 countries, which I think is great because that Mm. is a truly a uh, sort of global payment system, which is supporting Lightning Networks. So the cost is fairly cheap, not, de- not dealing with the ordinal issue of massive fee rise because Lightning is a layer two. It sits yes. on top and it basically... Uh, essentially it's think of it as payment channels that I can create different channels and all the money between channels. And I basically summarize those channels and 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 submit the transactions to layer two. I'm oversimplifying it, of course, but that's the thinking there. And so is like Cash Apps and Lightning Labs, LightSpark. Uh, so if you remember the ex-Facebook DM folks who were there uh, discussing bringing payments to the world, they had this interesting discussion to say, what can we do in terms of truly representing? So again, because ordinals can do NFTs uh, in form of inscription, they can also do stable coins in form of inscription. Because at the end of the day, it's an asset that represents based on sats or the lowest common unit of Bitcoin. So there was a lot of those debates to say, hey, what if these sats were to be denominated in Bitcoin and this moves around and and which are they, by the way, some of these experiments have been tried before uh, at, at many different levels. But the whole idea was to increase utility to make it a true payment system. In that context, uh, of course, Salvador, El Salvador came into 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 conversation to say they have actually done this as a legal tender. Uh, a lot of countries around the world, at least few of them, have denominated Bitcoin as legal tender. Uh, that conversation sort of popped up quite a bit in terms of what the legal tender of you know of you know uh, these countries dealing with it, and do we really translate Bitcoin as a local currency, or can Bitcoin be itself be used? Of course, uh, at throughout the conference, Derek. Um, Ibex and a few of the sponsors had mobile app and people could actually buy your food and pizza and beer and wine with Bitcoin. Wow. And proverbial, and by the way, today is the Bitcoin pizza day, which the most yes. expensive pizza, it's about 290 million, Derek. <laughs> uh, whoever paid uh, for pizza, it's worth 290 million of today's dollars for that one pizza from Papa John. They had cartons for auction from that same Papa John at the event just not the same cartons, but the carton from the same Papa John's as an auction. I don't know why someone would buy that, but it was there. Uh, But you could buy things from Bitcoin at the same. And I actually asked the proverbial question, why would I want to spend Bitcoin for a beer or for pizza? Uh, And I chose not to. I used fiat uh, to Mm -hmm. do that because, you know, uh, only because of sort of value uh, argument. Um, So a lot of these conversations, like can we have a layer on top that, that still pres- lets you preserve your store of value and still lets you spend your money at uh, two different layers to say, you can compartmentalize what you want to store as a wealth and still use some money to be able to spend for things. Um, and and that is again, enterprise conversation. A lot of startups who are addressing that, uh, a lot of startup who are looking at this as a, as a capital markets conversation, which is a little difficult because you have a single asset class and the entire infrastructure around the asset class can be quite daunting and expensive. But the conversations were there. Chathar was Ooh. super, super interesting.
0: And Nitin, the efficiency and the technology associated with um, with mining has grown enormously. Both the, we discussed this earlier on last year, I think it was, both the immersive um, liquid environments yeah. that you can drop the entire processing system into. So it's actually operating in a liquid environment to, to maintain cooling, because we know liquid transfers energy at 25 times that of gases. Um, and also the utilization currently I'm hearing of the um the the power that's that's cooled out of it, utilized in the form of hot water. so but the the irony of all this, of course, is that who's developing this technology? Which country is the country that's developing the of this technology? <laughs> you had to ask the
1: question. so we uh, we had there's a mining uh, a stage, like there's a whole section on just mining and hardware. And one of the notable ones is MicroBT releasing is What's Miner. And I don't know if it's a part of WhatsApp or whatever the naming convention was. I think it was quite impressive. I think they looked into water cool hardware. They looked into portable mining. Uh, it's like you having mm-hmm. a portable house, which is trailers. You could have a tra- mining trailers, which had all the efficiency. You plug it into refrigerated water, and you could run this as long as you have energy source. And that way you don't have to worry about having established facilities and... Um, They had, you know, essentially new chipsets and data center space economization standards that they were building and they showed new data centers like type type models. I think that's oftentimes miss sort of missed in these events, but that's innovation. Uh, They were massively focused on boosting potential and environmental benefits of this production side of the house of, of Bitcoin. And every single one of them were Chinese entities. (laughs) <laughs> and I was I was surprised. There were some Shenzhen, they were from Hong Kong, uh, and of course, mining is banned in China, which still happens, but it's of course happening under the covers. Uh, but they were also a little bit of, uh, you know, disappointed with this whole Dame and this argument because U.S. was an attractive market for them to come and sell their innovation mm. and and be able to attract miners. And I did spend some time in understanding the cost structures. Which to me was super interesting. And I bought a lot of material with me to 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 at some point research and read in terms of these the M50S and M5. They all have different categories of to chipsets designed for mining and energy equations that you would spend on these things. And to me, it was like uh engaged in some conversation to say how do they feel about this in terms of and it's like you know, the US was the last bastion, and it's hard for them to now taking this whole thing to a different country, which may not be as so Dubai looks like the like the next thing, but Dubai still has energy equation issues, and they have, haven't figured out the whole mining, uh, you know, equation. And I'll say one more thing: that there's a lot of conversation around the constitutionality of the tax, mining mm. tax, uh, and that's what I think the Robert Kennedy Jr. conversation was. That you know this should be uh, a free expression conversation that, that they should not be able to tax just because of utility of it, um, as opposed to. As opposed to us having the freedom to use the energy for what we choose it for, mm-hmm. um,
0: which I thought so was so. The likelihood operation. of the thirty percent tax, which is getting raised at the moment, so hasn't been approved to my knowledge, and is likely to be sequenced or trunched in at ten percent per annum over a three-year period. What's the general view of that? Do they think it's an inevitability, or do they think it'll pass, or do they think? That uh, that that it may well be put in by the current government and removed by any future government. So two things on this side. One is what people don't know: energy
1: is not exactly a federal agenda. Every state's managed their own. Like Texas has its own grid, so we're mm. not dependent on, on on the rest of the US. And every every politician who discussed this, of course, they were in a Bitcoin conference. So so there's a little bit of that mm. uh, flavor of the support, but none of the the. The, the political actors who were there on the stage, it really said, this is impossible, this will never be passed. Uh, especially now with Republican having, you know, the house and, mm-hmm. and 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 the Democrats having a Senate, they have some control in in, in in doing this. And many Republicans see this as a agenda that they can go after to attract the World bank of the crypto industry and not to mention the money, which is in in form of campaign sort of donations and everything else. So it is a proposal, and it's excessive, and even if ten percent, it eats into a lot of, you know, marginal profits that many of the mining companies do. So Marathon Digital was one of the, um, which which is one of the uh, firms that actually has massive investment in mining, uh, did have a giveaway and did was had a very strong presence, and they also opined on this that their entire several hundred million dollar worth of business is impacted if this were to happen. So there's a there's a real business impact to this, and they're going after. That's why I think not the Digital Chamber of Commerce, but the American Chamber of Commerce, which is a sum total of 300 plus different big businesses, have actually sent a letter to Congress to say this is detrimental to U.S. growth and U.S. innovation. So suddenly now you have the business behind it, too, because the crypto industry was able to say that, hey, this is happening to us today. And this could happen to you, too. Mm -hmm. So depending on who you are and suddenly now you're being taxed more because someone doesn't like your business you're in even though it's perfectly legit business. And that's also a operation choke point two, 2.0 conversation too. Ooh,
0: very much so. Right.
1: Yes. So super well, interesting
0: chat. That Sounds like a fascinating conference. Um, I've got to say the um, concerns drama and the sort of current um, reduction in liquidity or the current reduction in the number of attendees um, does remind me of the the Eastern philosophy saying, and that is this too will pass. And what we see here, Will pass, and so much of what we're getting innovations are going to be a future aspect of this. And it was superb to hear of the innovations, technology innovations, um, improvement, environmental improvement of the utilization through layer two, um, through layer two transactional app opportunities, and the definition of Bitcoin still staying strong as a store of value. I think these are the fundamentals that will see Bitcoin as a growth and. I'm excited about the continuation of Bitcoin in the in the quiet, low volume periods of time, such as now, when we're seeing uh, volatility drop away, volume of the market drop away, we see Bitcoin as still one of the strongest or the dominantly strongest um, token. And that is typical of Bitcoin. It's like the it's like the anchor to this industry. Um, thanks very much for sharing all of that. And of look there. forward to seeing you next week um and we'll discuss whatever the current activity is for the week ahead which is wonderfully unpredictable as the industry can be
1: that's right now looking forward to it derek thanks again for being a good listener and 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 letting me share my perspectives
0: bye for now bye we hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation if you have any questions comments or suggested topics please contact Gower or myself on the emails displayed here or via our LinkedIn profiles. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week.